0: BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.
1: Bringing the underground to the foreground. Welcome to Radical Advice on BFF.fm, best frequencies forever. I am your host, Lily Sloan. I'm a psychotherapist in San Francisco. And this is a show where we talk about the intersection of psychotherapy, personal growth, and activism. If you'd like to join in the conversation, tweet at us during the show at, at radicaladvice. And if you uh, would like to have your life question addressed on a future date, you can submit anonymously at RadicalAdviceShow.com. Just a reminder, the show uh, does not replace mental health treatment uh, by discussing listener questions. Uh, We're just having a general conversation about the issues presented in the uh, messages I receive. And I strongly encourage that you get help from a trained professional who can cater to your specific needs. So today's guest is a dear friend and local news reporter, Nula Bashari. I'm so excited that she's here with me today. She'll be with us until 1115 because she's got a dash to a press conference. (laughs) So um, I'm going to close out the show with a nice set of uh, mostly new music, but also do a listener question later on too but first it is time that we talk about something that I have been pondering for a bit so it has become clear to me that the time has come to put radical advice to rest um yeah but we're gonna have some time for closure and this the last broadcast will be December 17th so I'm really grateful for you who've listened and participated over these past two and a half years. Today is the 110th episode, and I was I was looking back and trying to add it up. There have been over 90 uniquely brilliant and passionate guests on the show. Um, people doing all kinds of important work in the world, and that really blows my mind. I'm, I kind of can't believe that I've gotten to do this. So... As the show winds down, I know I'm going to talk more about this, like you know, the feelings that precipitated this decision, and some of what Nuala and I are discussing today is about burnout, and I know that that also plays a role. So it's, it's not that I'll be doing less work when the show is done, but it will look and feel a bit different, and I think I need that right now. So please send more of your life questions by going to radicaladviceshow.com. So I can get them in in the next couple of months. And also feel free to send your thoughts or questions about the show coming to an end. It will really help me know what's important to talk about on the show. And again, thank you for being with me through this. Joining BFF, being part of this community, making this show, connecting with you in whatever way has really changed my life in a profound way. And in a very short time, relatively speaking. So thank you. And I look forward to the next uh, set of shows. And really, uh, I don't know, taking the time to honor all that this has been for me and for you and all my guests. So thank you. And now I'm going to uh, play a song introduce my guest, Nula Bashari, and then we're going to talk. So um, the song that Nula has picked out, we'll talk about this in a little bit, is Work by Charlotte Day Wilson. You're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. To radical advice on BFF.fm best frequencies forever. I am your host, Lily Sloan. Joining me here in the studio is the one and only, the best Nula, Nula Bashari. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for being here. Yeah,
2: thank you for having me.
1: We were just listening to Work by Charlotte Day Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to say something about why you picked that song for today? Um,
2: I mostly listen to music when I drive, and I've been spending a lot of time driving towards the ocean with my dog, and that song I just play every single time um and the lyrics are really, really beautiful, mm. and it definitely hits me in my deep in my heart. <laughs> I cry to that song sometimes.
1: <laughs> I mean, what you told me was I've been crying to the song constantly I so. mean. Not Sorry, constantly. I mean not to. I, maybe that was sent in a private, you know, email. But I just, as someone who cries quite a bit mm-hmm. to music, <laughs>
2: it's it's definitely one of my many crying songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 for sure. You know, we all have them.
1: Oh, I have, I have so many. I I saw Tommy York Friday night, and I. Mm-hmm. everyone who listened last week knows I was going to see Tom York. (laughs) They might have known for a few weeks. I don't know how long I was talking about it for. (laughs) i like, okay, now we're going to play this Tom York song. Um, But it was so magical. And to be able to go and like be, first of all, whatever people think about Tom York and Radiohead, he's hilarious on stage and just filled me with so much joy. I had a big grin on my face through a lot of it. But also felt all those deep like intense feelings and yeah i think at least four different times during the show i cried
2: yeah he's not someone i would think of as being funny so i like that adds a yeah. little character depth
1: he's ex- extremely playful <laughs> anyway <laughs> um yeah crying to music is great it's i think it's good self care thank you yeah <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> so i am so glad that you are finally here on the show especially like just in the nick of time Mm -hmm. and we talked about this
2: yeah i feel like i'm sorry all of lily's listeners i i feel like i enter the studio with like a big black cloak and a scythe and i am like i am the death of whatever you are working on (laughs) and i say that because i was one of lily's last guests or was i the last you
1: were the last one before my final episode of a therapist walks into a bar yeah yeah so yeah last year um you you came on the show in the episode um, an untakebackable choice yes. where we talked about the decision to have children mm-hmm. and it was a really powerful episode it was so amazing sitting with you and and talking about this this really difficult emotional topic that yeah. I think both of us feel a ton about
2: I really like that we both listen to it still like every once in a while we dig it up and are like let's listen to that yeah I'm like really tough episode again well it's funny too because (laughs) so
1: sometimes with music I'll be like oh I just want to like keep repeating the part where where that Mm -hmm. big like where the bass drops or this thing happens and like Mm -hmm. feel that power I do that with the episode or with a specific (laughs) point in the episode that always makes me cry
2: (laughs) it's a good one you should go back and listen to it and you'll you'll know which
1: part it is because it's the part where I, as the interviewer, cry. (laughs) We do a lot of crying together. We We do. And so one of the things about that, too, is that when I, I had the, I made the the final decision to end A Therapist Walks Into a Bar as I was walking to your house.
2: Oh, man. This is a lot of (laughs) responsibility here.
1: (laughs) And then you and I talked about my decision to end the show. uh, And... I was kind of circling that decision then too. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't exactly the same of like I'm I've made this decision and now Nuala's the first person to know, but you were you were one of the first people that I talked to you about this mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. When we were walking on the beach with your dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like dying because cuz my legs really hurt that day and oh, the sand was yeah. so mm-hmm. hard to walk on, but it was a great walk and talk. Yeah. But anyway so yeah you've definitely been present for those decisions and you're here on the day that I'm announcing this so and yeah. I don't see you as a harbinger of death um, <laughs> I see you as a more like a death doula oh you know? my god <laughs> <laughs> well I hope
2: I can perform my duties responsibly I um, you don't
1: even have to try you're doing it already and I I knew even when even when we found out you had this practice prof- Press conference to rush to. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, do I just wait till she leaves and then I make my announcement on the mm-hmm. show and spend the last part of the show with that? I was like, no, I want Nula to be here when yeah. I do it. And it was so nice to look at you while I was reading through that announcement and just Good. see your really kind, warm, supportive face in that decision. So thank you.
2: Uh, You know, it takes a lot of bravery to let go of things, especially things that you are well known for, you know, Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. well known as running a radio show or a podcast or being the news editor of a local weekly. Yep. Um, It's very hard to say goodbye to those things because there is, you know, you and I are both Leos. We love attention. Um, And I think we also feel a lot of responsibility to the people out there. Um, who listen to us and read us. And so when we have to take a step back and take care of ourselves because we're burned out or we need to make a life change, um, it can be really difficult and scary to do. So um, as much as I remember when I was writing my announcement that I was going to be leaving SF Weekly, I made sure to make it as upbeat as possible. Mm -hmm. And the responses that I got that were were the most difficult for me to deal with were the ones that were people going, Oh my God, this is so sad, what a loss. Like, you know, really mourning it. And I was mm. like, uh-uh, I don't want to mourn this. I wanna mm. celebrate the next step instead of just focusing on, you know, I we have more value than mm-hmm. these things that we create.
1: Right. Yeah. So how how did you decide that it was time to leave SF Weekly? Ooh,
2: that is That was such a long... It wasn't like I just woke up one day and was like, all right, it's time to make a change. Um, it started a very long time ago. And I was thinking about... And that doesn't mean I was unhappy my entire time at SF Weekly. I really want to make that clear. I left on very good terms. I'm still writing for them. The press conference I'm going to is for an SF Weekly story. Yep. Um, but it's there is... Burnout is a really, really real thing, and it's only recently that I've started reading about it and um, studying it, and feeling really, really seen by by what burnout can encompass. And I was trying to think before this show, you know, when I started having a really unhealthy relationship with my job and myself, and when I started, I think that the burnout became irreversible. Um, And it was actually a year ago. Um, Mm. I think it was kind of on its way there, but. Um, last November, there was a really big election in San Francisco. It was school board. It was BART. It was Propsy. It was a ton of really loaded things. And SF Weekly has a really tiny newsroom. Um, and so I was running all of the election coverage, um, with some very talented staff writers and interns, but it was a ton of work and the stakes were really high and I was very emotionally invested in certain candidates and certain outcomes, Um, and so that was really draining and the build-up to election, you know, the whole city kind of gets electric, at least in the news world. Um, so the election happened and then the paradise fires, um, broke out almost immediately. And I wrote a proposal and got approved by my job to go up there for a few days, um, over a weekend and report on the crisis that was happening. And I ended up, um, yeah, driving up there with a photographer, spending a couple really heart wrenching days interviewing people in emergency shelters, and wrote a story that was then published in The Examiner and SF Weekly about how seniors were disproportionately um, affected by the fires and how oh, most wow. of the 88 people who died were older than 65. Um, and so I didn't have a break, right? Like it was a really, really intense election and then jumped straight into the fires and then just went back to work. You know, that I think I took maybe one day off. Um, And I'm still actually dealing with some of the the PTSD from the fire coverage and I know I'm not the only reporter. I have a lot of reporter friends who have covered fires who have a really hard time. There's a documentary coming out about the Paradise Mm. Fires and I watched the trailer and I had to turn it off partway through. Um, So that was the point where I think I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And um, yeah, there wasn't really any coming out of the other side. Mm -hmm. It just kind Mm -hmm. of started getting really tired.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, there wasn't there just wasn't a, a point where you were like, OK, I think I, I feel OK again. No, no. You just it's didn't not. feel OK. again.
2: I mean, you know, it comes and goes. I think when we talk about burnout, a lot of people expect it to be almost like a mental health breakdown. They're like, oh, you know, you're going to push and push and push. And then one day you just won't be able to get out of bed or uh-huh. one day you won't be able to stop crying. And I think for some people that is how burnout Um, appears. For me, it was much slower and sneakier. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. I was really exhausted after that November. But I think more than that, I never gave myself a chance to recover. And there was never a chance to recover because our newsroom was tiny um, and really understaffed. And I I threw myself into everything I did there with 110 percent. And I never really felt like I could tune out or turn off you know on the weekends if there were a bunch of sirens I was turning on the police scanner and trying to figure out what was going on Um, and so the symptoms of burnout for me which again took place so slowly and over such a long period of time that I I just started thinking that this is who I was now Mm. um, is that I stopped finding as much joy in things as I used to so I've been a long time cyclist and I stopped biking. I just didn't like it as much. Um, I stopped enjoying walking my dog. I was just kind of like, oh, is he, you know, exercised enough? Can I turn around and go home? Um, I stopped writing. I'm in the middle of writing a book and I, I just kind of stopped that. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped hanging out with my friends because it was taking so much energy at the end of the day to kind of be present with people. And then the part that, I mean, all of those things are very important. But the part that I think scared me the most was that I stopped caring so much about the work that I was doing. Um, And that was when I was like, "Ooh, this is this is not good, because I've always been a total bleeding heart of a reporter. Like almost everything I write, I throw a piece of myself into. And I have cried with sources and I, I care very much about my readers and presenting them with the best work that, you know, that they deserve, honestly. Um, And then also respecting my sources and and the privilege that is bearing their stories and and communicating them to the world. And when I stopped getting as excited um, and when I couldn't find a story that gave me that spark, I was like, oh, boy, I need a break. Mm -hmm. Because it is a massive, massive amount of responsibility to be a reporter, even for a little paper in a city Um, for local journalists, for national journalists, um, the amount of influence that we can have on policy, on people's lives, on people's perceptions of really complicated issues is huge. And I never wanted to uh, be someone who would write just for the sake of hitting a deadline.
1: I mean, that was something that's always astounded me uh, about, about you and knowing you, is we became friends around when I was starting to get more engaged in local politics and also when you know this country was just a burning dumpster fire Mm -hmm. and so you've you've really helped me with that engagement in local politics and breaking down certain issues for me and you know whether it was an event you hosted at your apartment where we went you know a group of us went through everything on the you know on the ballot or just through our conversations, or reading your articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a moment, I think, last year, or something where we were we were driving to the beach, <laughs> mm-hmm. and this is the theme here. Um, we were driving to the beach. I think it was before the last election, mm-hmm. and I was like, Nula, like you have a massive influence on this election. <laughs> like it was, it was this weird thing where I suddenly was like, I'm s- in the car with this really important person (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's really funny
1: (laughs) and you know i know you Mm -hmm. so personally Mm -hmm. so you know there's there's something where it's not like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm like starstruck in this particular way Mm -hmm. that i might be if i didn't know you personally Mm -hmm. i think i felt that before i met you and you know we would connected on twitter first but um but there was just these moments of realization that Mm -hmm. you the work you do really has an impact Mm -hmm. because people are going to your news coverage to make decisions Mm -hmm. about these issues yeah and you know you're you're bringing things to light that we need to know to make those decisions Mm -hmm. and that's a level of responsibility that i i have a hard time fathoming for myself and, and, you know, as much as I know I have dedicated listeners and people mm-hmm. who really are impacted by the things that I share, it's still, it feels relatively small. We're talking about, like, elections in a major city. Mm-hmm. And you and I are similarly sensitive people. And I, I can really understand how, through, through imagining what that might be, like, how draining... That must have been at a certain point.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, partly the responsibility of of the work that you produce as a reporter is, is really important. Um, but there's also there's a lot of behind the scenes things hap- that happen as a journalist that I think most, most readers don't realize. And so, right. for example, at SF Weekly, um, as my popularity grew and my source list grew um, and my range of influence grew, Uh, more and more people were starting to call me or text me or message me on Signal or Facebook Messenger or Twitter. um, Just, you know, constantly, you should write about this. I have a lead for you on this. Have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. And it was even at the point where I'd go to a party and someone would be like, oh, my God, can we talk about the red lanes on Mission Street? And I was like, I just, there was no escaping it. And I think because, you know, like you mentioned that we're very sensitive people, I took that responsibility really to heart. And so it was very, very difficult for me to turn down stories, um, which meant that I was working, you know, 60 hours a week trying to make everybody happy. And, uh, you know, as this continued, I realized I wasn't just working for my newspaper, but I was working, you know, it felt like I was working for these politicians, for these advocates, for these readers, that everyone in my life was just like, do this, do that, do this, do that. And I had no ability to say no um, and it's just, and it never ended. I mean, the amount yeah. of like, I had so many different apps on my phone that people were messaging me through, and they were going off constantly. And so I wouldn't respond to a text message for three days because I couldn't find it because I thought it came through Signal, but actually maybe it was Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. this constant onslaught. Yeah. Um. And I think that yeah. really contributes to burnout is right not being able to disconnect. Um. At all. Mm-hmm.
1: Right and that doesn't even include all the the barrage of of anger yeah. that comes your way too. <laughs> oh hate mail. <laughs>
2: You know, I have a hard time even reading. um, I subscribe to The Atlantic and Mother Jones, and I have a hard time even reading the letters to the editor in the beginning because Mm, they're so triggering. triggering. I'm like, this poor
1: reporter, and they're probably fine. Yeah. Um, When I think about that, because of knowing you, I think about that more, uh, you know, sometimes on Twitter or something, I'll call out a bad headline or something that The New York Times does, or I get frustrated with Maggie Haberman or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And... I I am trying and I think that I think that being able to, you know, call out the news media is really important, but mm-hmm. also I knowing you helps humanize that for me too. And I don't think we should have to know somebody to r- remember <laughs> that people are humans, but it does it does help especially with the way the internet can yeah. can be. Yeah. And I think that un- you know, knowing you personally And intimately in a lot of ways um, has been so revealing to me about this whole like aspect of the work that Mm -hmm. I just wasn't thinking about. And it's with that huge responsibility can come. A lot of both warranted and unwarranted criticism, and maybe warranted criticism in a really shitty package, or maybe unwarranted criticism in a nice package, or you know, Mm -hmm. it's like how you sift through all of that and maintain a sense of okayness Mm -hmm. just seems like it would destroy me. Yeah, I don't know.
2: It's hard. And I know that not all reporters are as sensitive as I am. um, I know because many of my friends who are reporters just they don't blink an eye when they get hate mail or when their phone is blowing up all weekend. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. kind of it doesn't it doesn't hit them on the same level that it hits me. And so a lot of this is really personal. Like I'm not trying to speak, you know, in any way for all reporters. But that being said, I don't believe that I know a single reporter in this city who is not burned out or has not been burned out at some point yeah um and you know we might talk about it in different ways um and I think the the language and the conversations around burnout are still really new and in journalism especially they're they're pretty new um but it's it's an industry um that is so understaffed um that newsrooms are so tiny and there is so much pressure to produce as much content as possible um that I think it's it's very very difficult to be a reporter and not reach burnout Um, I actually am trying to figure out how to do that because I don't want to stop but I also you're doing freelance reporting now yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm doing freelance reporting and part of the reason that I've become so obsessed with the burnout conversation is because I want to try to prevent that from happening again Mm. Um, and I don't know that if I can honestly Um, I think what I can do is mitigate it slightly and I can anticipate it um, and I can create self-care routines Around that, so for example, mm-hmm. right now it's fire season, right? Um, it's also election season, but it's a quieter election this year. It's
1: kind of fitting, yeah, that elections and fire mm-hmm. fires are lining up,
2: yeah, but. yeah, but I know now that if. I go and report on a fire I need to give myself like a couple days of maybe just lying on the sofa when I get back yeah Um, or you know I know that for example I'm working on a cover story about meth use right now um, and I'm gonna be interviewing a lot of people who have used meth or are using meth um, and digging into the reasons as to why they choose to do it and that can also be really draining so if Mm -hmm. I have a really intense interview then what am I gonna do to take care afterwards So that when I write the story, I'm not tired.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's true with so many professions and just our lives is that people, I talk about this with clients all the time, but people have a really hard time building, I have a hard time with this too, but building into our expectations of time, Mm -hmm. recovery. yeah, And the time, even just thinking about last, (laughs) smiled, but like last night, okay, I got home at 10 30, that doesn't mean I'm gonna go to bed at eleven. That means I'm gonna go to bed at 1230 because it takes that amount of time mm-hmm. of just being in my home at nighttime to wind down from whatever I was doing and be ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I have to acknowledge that reality after witnessing that pattern over and over mm-hmm. and build that in and know, well, okay, 10 30 might not be early enough then if I need to get up. Yeah at seven thirty, maybe mm-hmm. I need to be home by nine thirty. you know <laughs> yeah. and we have a really hard time we're unrealistic in our expectations of what we should be able to do and process and then some things sneak up on us and we just didn't know mm-hmm. that something was going to be emotionally more difficult than we realized
2: yeah and I think I mean there's definitely all of the personal work that we need to do but as a society I've been really thinking I'm always very solution oriented in my journalism or I try to be um, and in the way that I present situations. And so when I was thinking about talking to you about burnout, I was like, all right, burnout exists. i've I've identified a lot of the symptoms. Um, if anyone has not, heard of ann helen peterson i highly 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 recommend reading her really long piece on millennials and burnout in buzzfeed oh yeah i think um, i read that it was yeah maybe
1: a year ago mm-hmm. yeah and she's
2: working on a book um and i've just become obsessed with her work on burnout culture um again because i've been feeling so seen by it mm-hmm. and one of the things that she has not been working on as much as i would like her to because if she could just provide all the answers that would be perfect. <laughs> is talking about we don't want her to burn out i know she's she i get her newsletter and she was like i have a deadline for my book on burnout culture and i know already it's going to burn me out like these couple of weeks Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but she has been offering some solutions about how we can as a capitalist society alleviate burnout in our culture in the way that we work yeah and that's something that i want us all to be a little bit more aware of and it's not just on us right i think for me, in the past year, when I think about me being burnt out, the responsibility felt like it was all on me, like, oh, I need to be doing better self-care, um, you know, I need to be doing X, Y, and Z, I should have said no to this, I shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, be doing this. And it was and you
1: should a just lot be, of shaming. And, yeah. and that that really feeds fits well with the um, personal growth industrial complex.
3: Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> we
1: should be eating clean, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know exercising in this particular way and maximizing everything and being peak optimum health yeah mental health and physical health at all times and there's an app for that and it, there's a yeah. lot of apps for that <laughs> and a lot of things you can spend money on mm-hmm. and why don't you buy some cases of soylent and like just go and yeah. it's and it's 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 like self care that is not actually that's burnout yeah it's i mean <laughs> It's like burning out on self-care because it's not actually what self-care means.
2: No. So, um, yeah, I think we have to go through a massive cultural shift, honestly, to change burnout. I don't think it's going to be a quick thing, but I really like that the th- conversation is starting. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that Anne Helen Peterson has, ta- has talked about is um, you know, not sending emails after or not reading emails after 8 p.m., and then also for managers not sending emails after 8 p.m. Yeah. You know, wherever it is that you can draw these boundaries, and there is this kind of, there's always a little bit of like, oh, well, I didn't have anything to do. Or, you know, after the fire that I reported on, I think they offered me a day off, and I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I can come in because I felt like I had to prove to them that I was capable mm. of, of doing these really hard things and that I was tough and that I can just keep going. Um, and what I really wish that they had done was say, you have to take this day off Yeah. and you cannot come into the office until this day. Um, and that mm-hmm. that is a kind of cultural shift that I want us to be participating in more. Right. Um, it's
1: kind of like um, the, the unlimited vacation mm-hmm. problem that companies have where they offer this thing, but there isn't the culture within the company of feeling like you can do that, like you yeah. feel a bit of... You look at your peers and you think, well, they haven't taken a day off. They haven't. So I can't either because how am I? That's going to impact my career. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's going to say that's the problem, but. I'm going to just cover my bases here. Yeah. And it, and really, there should be mandatory vacation. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And also you have to recognize in certain. So when I was complaining about burnout to some of my friends in the past year, they were like, well, why don't you take a vacation? And what was hard for a lot of people to understand was that in order to take a vacation, I had to do that week's worth of work before I left. Okay. And so it was like, oh, well, I can write all of that week's paper, um, but I have to do it in my evenings before I go. And so by the time vacation comes around, like I'm beyond burned out,
1: you know. Because <laughs> SF Weekly had a staff of like three, right? Four. Four. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you'd have some uh, freelancers yeah. write stories, but you, you, you were not only Doing stories, writing cover stories, mm-hmm. but you are also putting the paper together. And editing. And yeah. editing. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it's it's a lot. It's um there it was a very I actually don't think I could have done that job without burning out. I yeah. think if I went back today I, I would burn out again.
1: Well, and there's something I wanna ask about with that. Mm-hmm. Um but
0: bff.fm best frequencies
1: forever community radio all your friends are doing it <laughs> that, that took me by surprise because <laughs> we're not really playing much music in the first part I was like oh I should I should press this button um, <laughs> but then I I should have pressed one that had music in the background anyway it doesn't matter I was trying to be really slick about that and yeah. I wasn't um, community fun. radio <laughs> yay also uh, yeah <laughs> uh, so if you are just tuning in um, and listening live, uh, I am talking to Nula Bashari of um, SF Weekly fame, but mm-hmm. formerly SF Weekly. Mm-hmm. And now you are a freelance reporter and we are talking about burnout. Yes. I did just tweet out uh, the Millennial Burnout article. Oh, good. Thank yeah.
2: you for multitasking. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's. It's like, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, huh, wouldn't it be interesting to do a radio show like Frasier style where... You are in a studio and there's a glass window and you have a producer on the other side of the window, you know, playing with the not. Oh, there's probably a producer and an engineer. The producer <laughs> is helping, you know, monitor calls and like waving at you to tell you you sound crazy, you know, or like maybe don't say that or, uh, you know, helping you move the, the show along. And the engineer is doing all the buttons anyway here at BFF.FM. Mm-hmm. I am the 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 host, the producer, and the engineer mm-hmm. all at once.
2: Yep, and I just get to sit here and watch her work. It's pretty and cool. it's actually
1: it's not it's not that hard. Like you move get the you, slidey thing. Yeah, you watch get used you get is. used to it. And the thing is, is it's community radio, so you make mistakes, and you're like community radio. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, I what I wanted to say was something that comes up for me, and I notice this with clients. I notice mm-hmm. it with myself. Is that it's like is a vacation enough even and mm-hmm. and it can feel like a cer- at a certain point in burnout like it's unrecoverable and i don't know what to the point where it feels like you have to kind of burn it all down or something or at least like quit your quit your job um and and like take a ton of time off or do a completely different job and i don't want it to get that way for people yeah. it's it's like Maybe the thing they were doing, it's its fine if you want to change careers or, you know, whatever, but maybe the thing they were doing is a good fit for them, but the setup wasn't right. And, you know, I know so many people who are like, I've just been really burned out. I guess I need a vacation. They go away for a week and they start to feel a little bit better. They come back and they're just right back in it. it, did, mm-hmm. it there, there was nothing like truly, you know, restorative about that. It was needed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough. Yeah. And I, I don't. I don't have the answers around this I just I wonder what at what point burnout is unrecoverable in that sort of way yeah I wonder if there are ways to use vacation or time off differently that might help it be more you know Mm -hmm. restorative I, I don't know
2: yeah I don't know either um I do know so I left SF Weekly um August 12th so it's been um a little over two months and granted, I did a lot of stuff in the past couple months. Um, I took a road trip to New Mexico. Yeah. I got married. I went on a honeymoon. Um, but I've been back for about three weeks and I've spent a lot of time lying on the sofa having a complete existential crisis. Um, yeah. But the one thing, you know, it, it's been a little bit of a bumpy return to San Francisco, um, just emotionally. But the one thing that I keep recognizing even when I get really depressed is I'm not burned out right now. And it's and I want to remember what this feels like, because I think burnout can happen so slowly that you don't realize what's going on. And so I am noticing I'm paying more attention to myself that when I take the dog out for a walk, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take him into the panhandle for a pee. And the next thing I know, we're like two miles into Golden Gate Park (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm finding joy in being outside and I'm living a little bit more spontaneously um, and I have less to do. I don't have to run back and check Twitter and, you know, do write an article by midnight. Right. Um, and so I'm trying to really pay attention to, uh, what I am finding joy in right now. And, uh, yeah, who I am without being super thinly spread, which is yeah weird. I actually like this version of myself <laughs> quite a lot. I'm
1: a lot more yeah. fun to be around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and yeah, that is a good distinction because you can, you can be existentially lost. You can be depressed for other reasons other than burnout. And, um, so it's, it's kind of nice to hear you teasing those apart and being like, Hey, I'm struggling in these other ways Mm -hmm. and moments, but I'm not burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At least I'm not burnt out. Um, and, and I think when you make that identity shift and make that big change and and give something up that's been such a big part of what you're known for and who you Mm -hmm. are it's really normal to go into an existential crisis which I did after I ended a therapist walks into Mm -hmm. a bar last year and I feel that fear around this decision I've made to end this show yeah you know it's like uh like it's not that I won't have enough work to do and projects it's just the yeah but this is like a thing That is a thing that's me.
2: It's super hard. I had um I've I've definitely had a lot of this voice in my head saying, like, people aren't gonna love you if you're not a full time reporter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, this kind of like, who am I if I don't have this job? Like who am I to people? Am I useful to people anymore?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um I just imagine like writing um you a letter that's like, Hey, you know, it's been great, but now you're just a part-time reporter and (laughs) i don't know i just don't think i have space for that kind of energy in my life oh my
2: god this is exactly what i'm scared of i'm like no one is
1: gonna love me anymore
2: my phone is gonna stop ringing as if that was gonna be a bad thing like i'm so glad my phone has stopped ringing and it's still ringing just less. yeah well i know
1: i i did i did make an effort after a bit like when i first met you it was like oh i should let her know when, you know, there's things that might yeah. be newsworthy. And then at a certain point, I was like, I don't think I need to text Nula about that fire I see or like, yeah. you know, it's just it, like I kind of sense that it wasn't it's not like everything, everything is important. And what's hard is that mm. it's your job to mm-hmm. sift through everything and decide for us what's important. Yes. Um, thank you also and and a lot of us are, are dealing with that onslaught just being on twitter yeah it's like everything's important and mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of like we need that curated as humans mm-hmm. but to be the curator means you have to expose yourself yeah to the everything
2: yeah i have this memory of um i guess it was two years ago and i had just gotten my car and i took the, re- the whole reason I got a car was to, in a way, alleviate burnout so I could get out of town on weekends to places where there were no cell phone service. Right. And so I did that. I, um The first weekend I had my car, I drove my dog up um, outside of Greenville and went camping. And as I came back down the mountain, my phone was just like blowing up like, bada, 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 bada. I was like, Ooh, Jesus, I wanna I want to record that.
1: Make it <laughs> so, into a song.
2: <laughs> bada, bada, bada. Remix. Um, and it was... I was like, what is going on? Did someone die? And so I pulled off to the shoulder of the road and I looked and it was all people sending me tips. It was like, you know, a Saturday afternoon, Westfield Mall was shut down and evacuated, you know, like all of this stuff. And I was sitting there with my phone in my hands, like my heart kind of pounding, you know, Mm. did my dad die? Like what's going on? And it was all just people letting me know what was happening in San Francisco. And I know it comes from a good place. I know it does. Yeah. But and people like to feel involved, right? They like right. to see something and say, oh, I, I know who I can tell about this. It's a kind of, it makes you feel a little bit important. Right. Um, but God, I just, sitting on the side of the road, I was like, what am I
1: doing? Mm. This is not sustainable. Like, Right. I- <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think there's all kinds of roles in society that involve being a filtration system mm-hmm. and like interpreter of. The things that are happening in our worlds you know whether you're reporting the news or covering you know really big like you know long term investigative mm-hmm. stories or you are making art mm-hmm. or you are you know a therapist or you know all these different professions where it's about taking this raw material around us and packaging it up and like tran- transforming it for others mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of sensitive people are drawn to that work because we're we're sensitive to those things. yeah and it's it's a tremendous responsibility and burden at times mm-hmm. and 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 an honor at times too, and something that I know I feel pulled towards. And so it's not like it's other people's fault that I <laughs> have chosen these kind these mm-hmm. kinds of lines of work. it's it is something that is a fit for me in a lot of ways. And also there has to be a special kind of, um, I guess, nurturing of that in somebody and how much that might take a different kind of a mm-hmm. uh, toll on a person and yeah. need for a different, maybe different kind of self-care, maybe more time off than mm-hmm. someone with a different kind of job, you know, and not to say other jobs aren't demanding, but this, but the specifics of work that is kind of filtering through and translating the rawness of the world around us is so much.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think you pointing out that people handle this really differently is an important one. And again, going back to the solution-oriented look at burnout, what can we do to alleviate burnout? You know, there's a lot of work that we can do for ourselves, but then anyone who's in any sort of manager capacity, I want them to read Anne Helen Peterson's book when it comes out about burnout. Um, And I want you to think really intentionally about the people that you were managing and how they are different from one another and then what they need to not burn out because nobody wants burnout employees. Like, I mean, you might have quotas to hit. You might have all of that. But nobody wants burned out employees because they leave. They don't stick around. Um, And the quality of work drops. Um, So I think it's, you know, it can go way beyond just don't send or look at emails after eight PM. It can go towards mandatory vacations. It can go towards understanding how each of your, you know, workers internalize different things that are going on and creating yeah. space for them to recover from that or talk about that.
1: Right. Um it's and not and not um not like singling them out as being more difficult than oh another God, person no. or more, you know, more um
2: high maintenance. Yeah. High maintenance <laughs> or like weaker <laughs> or something.
1: Mm-hmm because it takes a lot of strength to feel everything that we feel oh it really does (laughs) it
2: really does and there's a lot of pressure you know not just um at least in my case not just from my readers and my sources um and myself but also from the people around me and it's um I love 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 my former editor-in-chief Peter Lawrence Kane um Mm. I just saw him the other day he's become a very good friend of mine, um, but I have never met anyone who works as hard as he does, and I don't, and as I say that, see, even as I say it, I'm kind of, like, holding him on this pedestal, uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, he worked so hard. Like, no one else I know has worked as hard as he does, as mm. if it's, like, something medal worthy but this guy never got sick. He would go partying until two in the morning, get up at six, write a cover story, come in, edit an entire paper until midnight, like, barely eat, and would just be fine like he's he's an absolute machine is he really fine yes i mean he did burn out a little bit
1: yeah but like yeah. he's still doing yeah. a
2: bazillion things at ten thousand miles right. an hour and right. because that's who he is he can yeah. function on two hours of sleep he can write right. when he's drunk like he can he's just he's incredible <laughs> it's it's remarkable how,
1: mu- how much of sf weekly is written
2: drunk a lot um <laughs> or maybe not now anymore but when pete and i were there a lot Um, though my writing is much I'm good after like one glass of wine two it starts getting sloppy three I think I'm brilliant but Pete was like wait you
1: think you're brilliant or you are brilliant I think I'm brilliant yeah like Um, do you think you're brilliant once the wine is worn off and you read no, okay Puffle, so it doesn't make any sense i i want i want to get the drafts of the three glass of wine news oh stories. i can do that for you i have time now because i'm not
2: burned out yeah i'll please. just drink
1: and write for you lily <laughs> <laughs> whatever you need we need like we need like a, a different an alt alt weekly that's the drunk news oh my god it's that would be most weekly. It's, it's like drunk history but yeah it's reporting the news yeah oh
2: So I I learned I cannot drink and write. Um, Pete can pretty much do anything in the entire universe and then write something Mm -hmm. brilliant. Um, And so I would look at what he does and how hard he worked, and I was just like, wow, what is wrong with me for not being able to operate at the standard that he is unknowingly you know, setting for everyone around him. Yeah. He's like, of course, if you don't finish by your deadline, you wake up at four a.m. and start writing. Like that, you know, that's how you get things done. (laughs) Um and he never directly asked us to do such things. Like he's, you know, he was a very good manager. But um yeah, his ability to to do so much made it seem like we were supposed to too.
1: Right. And that's that that's something where it takes effort in a workplace to make it very clear. That different ways of operating are acceptable, mm-hmm. yeah, and that people have value anyway. Um, yeah. and it's it's you know human beings we we do compare ourselves to others, and capitalism promotes that even more so. Mm-hmm. And so it 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 is natural that we're going to look at the most you know the person in in the environment who works the most and gets the most done in the shortest amount of time and feel like we have to live up to that Mm -hmm. when a they, they may have a very different constitution to us and b they may not be okay yeah they may be fine but they may not be okay and we have to really say explicitly over and over and over again it is okay that you need to rest yeah it is not only okay it has to be i mean it's human we don't want our employees to die yeah, we want our employees to eat. We want, and I want, I want the reporters that are delivering the news to me to sleep and to eat.
2: Oh God, those two things were. There was sometimes the bathroom was really far from my desk. This is probably a TMI. Where I would need to pee, yeah. <clears throat> but I was on deadline, and so I would have to write my story. And then, like two <laughs> hours later, I was like, I still need to pee, and yeah. I would go to the bathroom. I mean, this is yeah. at, like the level at which news happens and our responsibility. Right. Feels heavy, right? That we will give ourselves UTIs to get the news mm-hmm. to you.
1: Um, you're just like drinking cranberry juice all day while you're writing. So
2: much cranberry juice in my fridge at work.
1: Um, oh, it, was, man. it was nutty.
2: Anyway, so yeah. I think another way that we can help alleviate all of these symptoms are unions. And that is something I am so excited about. I think, yeah. and I'm not a union scholar, I'm sure. People listening to the show could school me on unions. Um, But I think that they are really the answer to a lot of the burnout problems that we're seeing, particularly for millennials. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was growing up, unions were always something, I mean, granted, I was raised by a freelancer and a teacher who didn't have a union, so I wasn't really surrounded by them. But unions have always seemed to me something that's kind of a blue collar thing, like you're an electrician or you're a plumber in a
1: union, like, um, you know, you have these kind of skilled. Well Labor there's days. even other unions that are not in that category that don't have the word union in the title like screen actors guild exactly. or like yeah like the yeah it's it's not mm-hmm. it's a weird differentiation there. Yeah, no that's even a Even though good it's point. still a union.
2: Um, so so in my 20s I always thought unions were kind of something for old people like I just didn't really understand and now I think that you're start, we're starting to see them pop up. Um, and I'm connecting this to millennials, and I actually don't know if that's accurate, but that's my experience of it. You know, you look at Anchor Brewing Company, Unionized, a lot of the people oh. who are behind that um, were millennials. You're looking at newsrooms unionizing, which I'm just such a fan of, like BuzzFeed unionizing, um, LA yeah. Times unionizing. I know Gim- Gimlet hard. is trying to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. and um, unionizing is not something that I feel like we could have done at the examiner in the weekly for a bunch of reasons that I don't want to get into. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, that wasn't really an option, but I think that unions are, are absolutely one of the key solutions to um, remedying this capitalist culture that feeds
1: and fuels burnout. Well, and there's a new, it's like, and I have been seeing that, you know, there's kind of a new resurgence maybe in this, in the labor movement. And, there has to be a new way of looking at it and and working with it because we've moved towards this gig economy and exactly. freelancing and contract work. And how how do you get protections around that? Mm-hmm. And you see it in certain industries. It's been for a long time, like, an, you know, in acting in Hollywood, in various uh, parts of Hollywood. But we don't have it yet for, you know, things like freelance reporters, no. being a being an audio producer freelance like and, and I see the conversation come up in the like radio and podcast world more too mm-hmm. um, and I think people joining together and saying these protections need to be in place yeah for all of us absolutely some of us need them more than others is mm-hmm. so so vital yeah to creating you know something that's going to be sustainable
2: yeah and and I love the power that unions can hold not just in the really important things like healthcare care and um, salary negotiations and protections against layoffs and things like that. But also, um, particularly for journalists, how if you go cover something that is considered, I don't know, you could say like a tier one extreme emergency, a school shooting, a fire, um, a, mur- a really gory murder scene, mm-hmm. um, a really emotional court trial. You know maybe your your newsroom has a list of these. If you cover those, you have to take a mandatory day off after deadline, you know, yes. something like that. And so yes. it's there's this expectation built into the culture that oh, you're going to go cover a fire. Okay, well, you that means you're taking Tuesday off,
1: right. Mm-hmm. I love that. um yeah, creating yeah, a category of tears a category of tears. <laughs>
2: As you said that your eyes lit up, I was like, "Oh boy.
1: Is that the name of your next podcast? <laughs> Maybe my album. A cat it'll be called A Category of Tears." Oh my god. I'm really Oh, oh sorry. I love it. Drifted You're there. Running. Uh, yeah, just running. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you you got to a place where you recognized what you needed to do and that you did it. Thank you. It you know, was it's, it's hard and long process.
2: Terrifying. Absolutely yeah. freaking terrifying. I, I mean I already chose um, funny story, I wanted to study journalism in college and everyone told me don't do it. It's a dying career. You'll never mm-hmm. make money. And so me being the smart person I am, I studied darkroom photography, which is like <laughs> less useful than Latin, honestly. I mean, I it's just It's cool. It is cool. I might get cancer from all of the I used to go into the darkroom and move my prints around with my fingers and then go outside and chain smoke. And I'm sure all of those chemicals just art school, you know. Anyway, I ended up as a journalist. Yeah. Yeah, And it's and I know that this is not a great career move to be a reporter. Like there is almost no job security. There are few unions. Um, The pay is crap everywhere. I mean, we're all underpaid and overworked. Um, It is not necessarily a smart career move to be a journalist. And yet I love it more than anything I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just such an honor, and it's so exciting to me. And um, I love getting up in the morning and researching and reporting and writing. Um, it's, it fulfills so much of me. And so going freelance was scary because I was like, it's kind of giving, you know, there's, there's a risk that I'm not going to be able to do it, right? It's a really hard thing to freelance. When, you, when you're a freelance reporter, you, you have to come up with a story idea and then you have to take it to an editor and sell it to them. You're like a salesperson. You say, this is why this is important. This is why it needs to be run now. This is why I'm the person to do it. And yeah. then they say, yeah, OK, you know, thanks for all of your work. We'll pay you 150 bucks, and the deadline's Monday. Um, and, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you do that, but like as many times as you possibly can in a month to try to make rent. Wow. So this is not the smartest career move I've ever made but it also kind of is because I think already the types of stories that I am creating space for are things that I could never have done if I was working at a daily or weekly newspaper uh-huh, um, right, right they're longer they're more investigative they're thorough they're giving a lot of space to an issue and they're giving me a lot of time to learn about an issue um, and that's what I've always wanted was to be able to produce the best quality work that I could yeah because again that's what my readers and sources deserve. Um, and that was missing for a while. And
1: yeah. I mean, I I just love the times you were working on cover stories while you were at SF Weekly. Um, I know that was super hard because you were also having to do the news. But I, you know, at various times when you would talk through the the stories you were working on with me, I was just really I was really blown away by how how invested you were and how thorough you were and the the questions you were having and things you were trying to kind of figure out as you were going along and also um I could see how how much how important to you it was and Mm -hmm. how how much the longer form work was a really good fit for you
2: it's definitely where I think my strengths are um I love the writing process not all journalists like the Actual part where you have to write things down. Um, I love that. I love just disappearing into it and emerging on the other side. Yeah, when I mean, you're a great writer, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, Can't so. wait for your novel. <laughs> so, in many ways, this this life that I have now chosen and I'm building for myself outside of um, being full time at SF Weekly is is a lot less glamorous. You know, I'm I'm have um, a part time job doing some grant writing for a nonprofit that I love. Um, but it's not anything I'm going to be bragging about at parties the way that I did about being the news editor of SF Weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have to find ways to support myself while I build up this freelance career and connect with those editors and um, settle into my beat, which is mostly going to be public health reporting.
1: Yeah, and you did a fellowship last year. I did, yeah, Um, um,
2: on public health.
1: Yeah, that's so great. I'm glad to see you kind of following that passion and making more space for that.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually, it's definitely good for me mentally. I think in the long term, it's going to be very good for my career. Mm. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, it feels a lot less glamorous. <laughs> and I have actually been avoiding hanging out in groups because I don't want people to be like, oh, so what are you doing now? And then to watch their face fall as I have a less exciting answer. Mm. And I don't like whenever I was at a party, and I was meeting someone I didn't know, and they asked me what I did, I would just, it was my favorite question. I was like, well, let me tell you, (laughs) I have the coolest job in the world. I am the news editor of SF Weekly. Um, And now my answer is a little bit more meandering. Mm -hmm, And I'm like,
1: mm -hmm. well, I'm a
2: writer. um, And yeah,
1: (laughs) no, you know, honestly, I think that's at least half of why I, I'm not going to the Third Coast International Audio Festival this year. Oh, really? It's like I don't have the identity of,
3: mm-hmm.
1: oh, my podcast is A Therapist Walks Into a Bar. And yeah. there was something, especially the second year that I went, that mm-hmm. some people had actually already heard of it. When they're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. It was so satisfying, and now it's like, well, you know, I'm just kinda doing some freelance work, and I have like this part time therapy practice, mm-hmm. and i'm yeah it, it's it is it it is there is something uncomfortable about that in that kind of space, and I know mm-hmm. I know like you know our our egos are like caught up in that, and it i I noticed myself feeling like I don't know what I'd even be doing there, yeah you know, also it's on Halloween, which is silly. That's, that they can't silly. make me miss Halloween. No, but, um, but still there, that I know that that was another part of it.
2: That's, yeah, it's hard being in transition too, because I, I never want to define myself as something that I used to do, right? That makes yeah. me feel like I've peaked. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to be like, mm-hmm. I, you know, what do you do for work? Well, I used to be the news editor at SF Weekly. That's like, I've already shed that version, Yeah, you know? Yeah, And I'm, I'm still figuring out this version of myself. Um, And I
1: still think freelance reporter and writer is, pretty cool yeah like, See, there you go you just, I need, cool. just need to
2: write that down because I like I, I don't think I just, you
1: need to write it down I think you can remember it <laughs> I don't hey I'm Nuala Bashari also you know your name has changed too. so there's all these identity shifts but like uh, hey yeah. I'm Nila Bashari yeah I'm a freelance reporter and mm-hmm. and and a writer yeah whoa it's hard to my talk cool about. friend who's a writer
2: it's hard to talk about when you're still kind of vulnerable you I know, know? it's I like know. still trying to figure out who you are um, yeah, but you know, it's coming together like this press conference that I'm going to, um, in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and this article I'm working on, um, it's just been such a pleasure to even begin the process of diving into this, um, complicated emotional piece. I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be, yeah. you know, as like yeah. I am 100% still, I still want to be a reporter with yeah. every spare second of my life. Um, just a little bit healthier.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can be a reporter and um, still be camping in the woods with no cell phone service. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm just so glad we got to have this conversation. I know some people are listening. My tweeted in that she's really uh, enjoying this conversation okay. about burnout. And yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to it regardless of their field. So it's a pretty uh, universal issue in a lot of ways
2: yeah Mm -hmm. and i and i want to be clear like my my experience of burnout is not everyone's experience of burnout i think it can affect us in really different and myriad ways um and you know some people can recover from burnout in a week you know it's it's not impossible um i just know for me it took um it took two months yeah and um some really major life changes and it was really scary and I don't want to have to do that every few years (laughs) because it's a lot and I don't actually handle change very well. Mm -hmm. Um, So my goal is to create a life and a lifestyle where burnout is um, a smaller part of my existence. Yeah. So if anyone has any tips, I am so <laughs>
4: here for it. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, from self-care to yeah. how to structure your freelance working from home life to mm-hmm. any journalists who are like, oh, yeah, you know, I... I solved burnout by X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Let me
1: know what you did. <laughs> and you can tweet at NULA at the best Nula. And Nula is N-U-A-L-A. And it's Perfect. not Nuala. No. Nope. It's Nula. Thank you for knowing that, <laughs> friend. <laughs> yeah. I know. You're well, you're often the one to be like, people are always calling me Nuala. And then I just took it. I just take it. And then years later, it's so awkward. (laughs) You're like, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and it's funny because it should be more awkward for them than for us. But it's awkward for everyone. Yeah. 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 Also, I know that you said earlier people were already tweeting at you, you Mm -hmm. know, questions and things. Do you feel like you addressed the things that people... Wanted to hear about?
2: I think so. Um, what was, there was one that came in that was really helpful. Let me find it. Oh, I have a lot of tweets. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So um, I don't know what their name is, but it looks like maybe Liz Kwan said, as in other industries, we have to ask, is it burnout suggesting it has to do with the individual or is the system making it impossible not to burn out? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that goes back to, again, how much responsibility we hold on ourselves and how much responsibility our industry, right. and our managers, and our office culture um, hold as well. And it's, I mean, our entire system right now is set up to create burnout. Like right. I, I, I do not think that this is a small issue. I do not think it's. Um, I think it can result in some really catastrophic things. You know, whether it's. Even like apathy around elections can right, be a right. Of burnout, right? Totally. Like we're burned out by the news. Like I don't want to yeah. read about Trump anymore.
1: Right. Um Yeah, people with mm-hmm. with a certain amount of privilege um who have the option stepping away from activism mm-hmm. because activism burnout is a big, big thing. Yeah. And I mean, I noticed that in myself and mm-hmm. I don't even and there's still the voice that's like, and you weren't even doing very much. Yeah. You know? But I think it is both um it's individual in terms of how it might affect a person mm-hmm. and how um, but it's but it's uh not individual in that it's a systemic problem that yeah. our culture and the way things are structured mm-hmm. actually is creating yeah, yeah,
2: yeah and it's it's also okay to be burned out. It doesn't mean you failed it's, right. it happens and it's it's a really hard thing to acknowledge but it's not a death sentence and it's not yeah you know.
1: And some, yeah, sometimes, you know, regardless of the system, sometimes we just overdo it <laughs> Yeah, because we're we, achievers. Yeah, like some, you know, I, I, something my therapist and I have talked about for years is like my tendency to sort of have big spurts of energy and then to mm-hmm. kind of collapse. Mm-hmm. And the question for me and for her has been, so do we want to change that? Do we want to work on evening things out more or do we want to accept that? That's yeah. a part of my process mm-hmm. and i I feel like it's kind of some of both, you know, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, we all have a lot of work to do, um, also like, but also screw like grew capitalism, yeah, we
1: have a lot of work to do, but some of that work is to try to not work, yeah. so it's 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 complicated, I, it, there's, yeah. yeah, I
2: really <laughs> encourage all of you to find a comfortable sofa somewhere in your life and just stare at the ceiling. With your hands behind your head for like 30 minutes. Mm. Um, Some people call that meditating. Some people pay to go sit in a room and do nothing. You know, again, going back to that like self-care is money. Right, right. Um, But we all need to do a little bit more of lying on
1: the sofa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And are there ways to carve that out in your life? Mm -hmm. Don't
2: play a podcast. I always do that. I love podcasts. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to lie there.
1: Yeah, and I even music... Because music has such an emotional impact Mm -hmm. and sometimes that can be very um, leading, you know, and it can be helpful to just do silence. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a final question for you. Okay. All right. The treasure. Yes. Is buried somewhere in San Francisco. Yes. What is the treasure and where is it buried?
2: Oh, my God. I'm going to give like a super cheap. I actually haven't thought about this. You emailed this to me and I like haven't no, thought I, about it.
1: I, I I, really am cool. I I don't want people to overthink it. Oh, my so. God. No, this is so cheesy. Yes. <laughs> Bring on the cheese. Cheese whiz.
2: Oh, I'm just feeling this way because I'm going to a press conference with the mayor. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. I would say the treasure is <laughs> compassion and it's buried somewhere deep in City Hall. <laughs> need to dig that thing up. <laughs> also some just, jackhammers i really love that building if yeah. there's treasure in san francisco it's definitely in city
1: hall it's a beautiful building mm-hmm. and there's some funny people in there yep walking al- walking around on top of it
2: yep exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I am really grateful to you for coming on today, and also for being here with me when I made my announcement. Of course, yeah, and being, I will being, say goodbye
2: being, to any of your projects with you.
1: <laughs> being, for being my death doula, my n- nula.
2: Oh me! May- oh, Whoa, maybe my...
1: this is your new profession. Wait, I me, I have never realized that nula and doula rhyme. Nula death doula. Wait, I'm trying to think the best configuration. I'm like pretty bad with blood.
2: I'm not going to be great at doula's.
1: Wait, Sorry. this is but this is emotional blood. Oh, it's not okay. literal blood. Ugh, okay. So you, you can be you're you're a Nula creative death doula.
2: All right. Sure. That's,
1: Nula Nula the creative death doula. You just created my Halloween costume. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> I was also thinking of a Halloween costume today. Like thinking, what are things people are afraid of? How would you exemplify intimacy as a Halloween costume?
2: (laughs) Why don't we just hug each other and walk around?
1: What about burnout? What about burnout? Oh, yeah. I'm going to work on that. Could Just be like flames. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It would be more of a fizzling. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Millennial burnout. Maybe Mm -hmm. that'll be my costume. Right.
1: You'll have like avocado toast with you. Yeah. And you'll be really tired and like on fire on fire. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, avocado toast is the best way to show the, the, the oldies that we are millennials. Oh, my so. God. This
2: is devolving. All right. OK, <laughs> okay you got to go.
1: You got to go. Um, Thank you again. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, if you're listening, I mean, if you're listening, if you hear this, then you are listening. <laughs> Please stick around. I'm going to play some music and I'm going to address a listener life question. So. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Here is "Hurry, Lady, Hurry" from Hey Voices.
0: Bff.fm, the best frequencies for bringing the
1: underground to the foreground. advice on bff.fm best frequencies forever that was above the sound by yola tango from their most recent album there's a riot going on and before that was hurry lady hurry by Have voices it's not voices it's uh, hmm. Voces. voces <laughs> anyway it's a really beautiful song something it's also a bit newer um and uh before that, for the first uh, hour plus of the show, I had Nula Bashari on a local freelance reporter, former news editor of SF Weekly and writer, um, to talk about burnout. And it was a really great conversation. I'm so glad that she got to come on, especially because as I announced at the beginning of the show, I'm beginning the end of radical advice and we'll be wrapping up uh, December 17th will be the last broadcast of this show. So if if you would like to hear more about burnout, hear more of my announcement about that, and you missed it, definitely listen in the archives, um, go back to the beginning. I think it was a really, really useful, worthwhile conversation about the both individual aspects and the systemic aspects of burnout. So um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. The rest of the show will be just me and you and the music. I'm um, excited to share some new stuff I've discovered, uh, some bands I already knew, some I didn't. Um, before that, I, I want to remind you that BFF.FM is a community radio station and it is uh, supported by the community and by the many volunteer DJs and the uh, people who are keeping the station together. Um, so please go to bff.fm donate and support, support the station. Um, you can do this by becoming a monthly donor or a bestie, as we would like to call you. And you get some cool perks with that. So just $10 a month or more uh, gets you in on on our Besties program. Actually, last Saturday, we had our monthly Besties Bash, uh, which is a great monthly concert series that we host here at the station. People are always delighted to see the space that we're in because it's so magical. And here's some some really awesome, small, local artists who you might not hear anywhere else. Um, What was so magical about this last one is my friend Sean started a Modest Mouse cover band called Modest Blouse and they uh they played their first show on Saturday here at the Secret Alley at our Besties Bash and it was such a delight to be there for that first moment um something I didn't know was going to happen or was part of this is that Sean, who I had always known as being non-binary, came out as trans. And part of starting this Modest Mouse cover band called Modest Blouse (laughs) was to work on uh, her vocal training and getting used to singing in a higher register, which um, uh, she decided was going to be easier to do with music she already knew and loved than also writing new songs in that higher register. And this project was really uh, kind of sprung out of that which is so sweet and beautiful and at one point she felt a little insecure about everybody sitting and wanted more audience support and she just asked us all to come up front and you know dance and be more rowdy because modest mouse is rowdy crazy music and we did and it was just beautiful and I could tell it was really meaningful for her and um they really nailed the songs so anyway it's experiences like that that you can have in a really kind of small intimate concert experience if you come to our besties bashes but also if you go to bff.fm/ donate you can make a one-time donation of any amount that works for you and we are so grateful um, to have your support so thank you and thank you for listening um, I'm going to play a couple more songs and then come back with a listener life question So up next is uh, 666 by Sugar Candy Mountain, another local band that's played at um, one of our events when we were doing our uh, week uh, was it weekly? No, monthly concert in Jack Linton Square over the summer. Um, It was fun seeing this one live. So here is Sugar Candy Mountain with 666. listening to Radical Advice. I'm your host, Lily Sloan. Oh, that was... uh, can't even talk. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that was the new song from Perfume Genius. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. This is just making me cry. (laughs) Okay, that was the new song from Perfume Genius. I have my shit together uh <laughs> I think okay yes that is called pop song and it is really beautiful <laughs> wow maybe I should just play more music uh okay before that <laughs> was um, Two Voices by Julian Chang, which is also really beautiful uh, from their album Jewels and opened it up with 666 from local fave Sugar Candy Mountain. And um, yeah, I think I think part of <laughs> why why I'm crying now is because that's a really beautiful song. Uh, that Perfume Genius song, um, but also because while that song was playing, I was writing my my tweet announcement about the announcement that I made earlier about the show coming to an end soon. And I think it just felt very, very real and emotional to to, to send that out. I don't know why that felt more intense than announcing it on air at the beginning of the show, but it did. <laughs> um, that music might have been part of the reason why. So anyway, thanks for bearing with me and all my feelings <laughs> right now and for the last almost two and a half years. I'm sure, there's going to be more to come. Um, before I play a little more music and end the show, um, one one of... Uh, Long time from the beginning. Long time listener uh, wrote in and let me know earlier today that um, he really appreciated the conversation on the show. I think it was last last week, two weeks ago, with Christine Hutchison, uh, who I think is listening right now. Hi, Christine. Or maybe maybe you've had to to pop off, but Christine was listening for a little bit uh, about about job interviewing and uh, looking for jobs and all of that. Um partly because their job that they loved so much, um, changed the role changed in a way that suddenly became in complete opposition to their values. And I know from having some interactions with this person that this is, um, just not a, that's not a doable situation. Um, they're really passionate about what they do and showing up for people and having to do work that is, um, Essentially, targeting populations uh, that they want to support, and not and not supporting them is uh, just so deeply wrong and dissatisfying. And um, they let me know that they put in their resignation, and I'm I'm just really really proud of them for you know standing up for what they believe in. Of course, you know we're not always in the situation to be able to leave our jobs, but I'm really glad that they did and that they they saw that they could and that they're taking that stand. So thank you for letting me know. It's always nice to hear these updates from people and also how the show impacts you. And especially as we're kind of uh, wrapping up and coming to the end of this two and a half years, December 17th will be the last broadcast. It feels really important to um, let you know that I I want to hear from you about it. I, you know, I want more listener life questions for sure. And you definitely go to RadicalAdviceShow.com and submit them there. I'm gonna try to address as many as possible before the end. But also, um, any any thoughts or questions or things that you would want to hear me talk about on the show before the ending, um, specifically about the ending. If there's anything that you know you're having feelings about or f- or have questions about for me. Um, I, I welcome any of that. And I will address again, like what I, what I'm able to get to. Um, but I, I do really want to hear from you. And if you've been listening how, or even if you have only listened once, you know, how, how it impacts you. Um, some of that is for the sake of processing and ending and therapy. Endings are really important. Um, my, my, former podcast a therapist walks into a bar the final episode is about endings um, so I really am trying to hold that frame um, of, of making the ending a process that is inclusive of of you um, but also because it would mean a lot to me <laughs> um, to know that that this thing has meant something to you so Thank you for listening, and again, uh, being with me in my feels. So I'm going to read a question to you that somebody sent in. They wrote, I'm a big fan of the show and wanted to write in to tell you that. Thank you. (laughs) Case in point. (laughs) Um, And to also ask a quick question. I have a few personal dilemmas to choose from, and the most pressing is that I'm currently in therapy, which is going fine. But to be honest, I have a friend who is also going, and she's having a way different experience than me. Hers tends to be going better, where every week she's having these big breakthroughs, and I feel like I'm barely trudging along. Can you talk about why it can be so different for us? Every week when she pops out with some huge awakening moment, I just get more defeated and want to quit. I'm just not seeing much change. No matter what I do, the world is staying the same. You know? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I do. I really do. Um, And I've had questions like this before where people are wondering if they're doing therapy right or, you know, or if their therapist is right for them, especially because they're comparing their experience of therapy to someone else they know. Um, and I think that while it's important to notice, it's it's not like you want to totally write that off. Maybe there is something in there that is telling in some way. Maybe there's something about the process that um, you're longing for that you could imagine you might get if certain barriers were removed maybe they're within the relationship you have with your therapist maybe they're inside of you um that's okay you can listen to that and i really recommend that you bring that to your therapist and say hey i'm you know maybe you have already but say but even this exact dilemma because they they know you more specifically than i do and you can unpack it from that from a relational perspective like what is your relationship with your therapist how does your therapist see the work that you're doing does your therapist think you're just trudging along and nothing's happening um i think it'd be good to hear from them how they're experiencing it too and and for them to know what you're feeling and maybe they'll say things about the process and what they see that will reassure you that you're doing just fine and that this is the how it goes Um, Or maybe there will be something that comes from that conversation that makes you um, that that will make a change in the therapy. Maybe maybe you and the therapist will decide you do want to do something differently or, you know. So I think I think bringing that to your therapist is one of the best things you can do. But I also want to just say that, yeah, it's different for everybody. Also, some people go through periods where There's a lot of breakthroughs because some stuff is just really right on the surface and it's easy to get to and it's ripe for the picking. Um, And then there's periods of of that trudge and that like uh, seemingly like nothing is changing. And like every week I'm going, I'm saying the same stuff, I'm just stuck. And that's just part of life, like we're stuck sometimes. And then there's personal differences in how we express emotion, how we learn, how we grow and change. Some people are more dramatic about it than others. I I think that I can be kind of one of those people who's like, oh my God, I just learned the most profound thing ever. And I'm going to go cry about it for a while and like want to tell everybody about this profound awakening I had. But it doesn't mean that the thing that I'm Having this moment about is deeper or more important than the thing you're going through. It, it's just a way that I think and process and feel. And people feel in different ways and express those feelings in different ways. Um, but it, it it can it can be hard not to compare yourself to the thing that that's kind of dramatic and bold. And in some cases, maybe kind of performative too. I don't want to assume that about your friends or your friends, but. Um, you never know so um, I know people who get who are that way about things even more than I am and I find myself feeling a little like this torn feeling between being a little bit jealous and being a little like annoyed like how are how are you just experiencing everything like that like calm down (laughs) which is really just my own my own like discomfort with being left out of that experience in a way um, I can really understand how hearing this from friends would would feel like oh I, oh, I want that that's not wow that sounds so big like I, I want that why can't I feel that and the answer might be that it's not even what it seems like it is and the answer might be that you just can't because you're different and you feel things differently And there's maybe some loss in that. You can you can grieve that, too, and say, oh, I feel sad that that way of feeling and expressing isn't available to me, at least at this time. So, yeah, back to back to my suggestion. I definitely think you should talk to your therapist about it. Um, Lots of I think there there could be a lot of fruitful material in there to um, unpack and. I am excited for you to have that conversation. And if you do or you don't or whatever, write to me. Let me know how it goes. Um, We're coming really close to the end of the show. I thought I was going to be playing a lot more music today, but there ended up being a lot to talk about and cry about. So, um, yay. Uh, But I definitely encourage you to, um, you know, tweet at radical advice at radical underscore advice on twitter check check up on things on facebook i'm i'm less in a like follow me mode because things are going to be coming to an end but you can it's still going to exist um my personal twitter is at lily rose sloan also if you're wanting to dig more into this topic of endings uh Enclosure, and like how therapists think about endings and how I think about endings. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out my episode of a therapist walks into a bar, which is the final episode called uh Lily Lily's not gonna ghost. And um, I hope that you will stick around over these next weeks and be, you know, part of this process. We're st- I'm still gonna have guests. We're still going to kind of do regular stuff on the show, too, but, It's just going to be a little more acknowledgement that things are coming to an end and create some space to, to talk about what that feels like. So again, you can go to radicaladviceshow.com to send any life questions and also send any thoughts or feelings about this ending um, or questions about it too. And yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to still be involved at BFF doing other kinds of projects and I'll keep people up to date on that. Um, but definitely stay tuned. Um, after me is the life and times of the bourgeoisie and more good music and conversations will continue throughout the day and the week. BFF is always, always going with amazing original content and great music. Um, and I am going to... Close out. Oh, and also next week I'm gonna play a lot of good spooky music because I love Halloween. So just a heads up about that. But I'm gonna close out today's show with um, I think I'll play, I didn't get to play everything on my list today. I think I'm gonna play my other voice by spelling another local artist. Um really nice song. And I thank you for tuning in and being with me on this adventure. Community radio. All your friends are doing it. All your friends are doing it. All your
0: friends are doing it. All your friends are doing it. All your friends are doing it. All
1: your it. friends are doing it.
4: <laughs> Best frequencies forever.
3: so independent,
4: but that's gonna change real soon With my other voice, I can destroy this
3: world. I'll wrap my voice around you, and I'll try the wrong